Hello and what's this week's Sports Zone on Salford State Radio. I'm Rob Parkson and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. Paul, how's things? Looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yeah, certainly I'm Rob. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And it's an action-packed show, isn't it? You know, Easter is an action-packed time for sport, isn't it? There's been plenty going in the local area. So uh, I don't know whether an hour will be long enough to get through it all, but we'll do our best. Yeah, lots to go. We've also got James Sweetenham. James, looking forward to talking all about the, the big stories in the sporting world. I most certainly am, Rob. And as you said before the show, the band is officially back together. It's been a few weeks, but we're like, I don't know, Leonard Skinner, the monkeys. I'm sure the fans are absolutely delighted to hear us all <laughs> back. And I hope you had a wonderful Easter as well. Yeah, Easter is all about the eggs, James. And uh, what was your favourite egg uh, that you consumed over the uh, Easter period? Well, I only had two this Easter, Rob. I had a Yorkie, which was delightful, and a salted caramel delight from uh, Lidl. So uh, really pushing the boats out this year and thoroughly enjoyed it. Lovely, jubbly, obviously. Paul, being a rugby uh, fan, eggs and rugby balls, similar shape. Any particular eggs tickle your fancy? A Yorkie one sounds good. Don't it? Yeah, Yorkie's a decent chocolate, isn't it? That sounds good. That, but I, I like the sound of that little one. I have to uh, see if there's any of them left. I bet they've all gone now because I know uh, they seem to just disappear off the shelves, don't they? As, uh, as Good Friday comes, but no, my my kids have got plenty to go at. So uh, when they're uh, out and about, I'm sure I can sneak a sneak a bit down myself when they're not looking. Yeah, that's what it's called. The parent tax, they call it. I think that's what <laughs> I'm up to anyway with my uh, my son and my daughter's uh, Easter uh, when the backs when the backs turned, Paul. Like any uh, rugby league player, there's a, there's a one-on-one ball steal, and uh, and that's that. Why I managed to get my fill of chocolate. I've got other chocolates available, <laughs> but uh, just make sure you do share them uh, with your loved ones over the end over the Easter period. So we'll start with Rugby League, Paul and Salford Devils. They were in action uh, last weekend and beat Lee 20, well, 20 points to 22 at Lee. Talk us through it. Yeah, good game, Rob. A, a tough game. Um, you know, it was a physical one as well. Lee are a good side. They're not the pushovers that they were, you know, the last few times they've been in Super League. They're, they're, they're quite an established force now. They've had some good wins this season and we knew it was going to be a tough place to go to, especially a bit low on numbers. You know, we're still a, a few players down, aren't we? And it was, it was a tough game. And um, we took our chances, I thought. You know, we went 6-0 down, but then we powered back and took a 16-6 lead. We seemed to put our foot on the gas. Uh, Chris Atkin came on and, for me, tran- transformed the game, transformed Salford, really, and really gave us that speed around the Rook area. And We got a 16-6 lead at half-time. You know, Lee came back at us in the second half, but I think we just had enough. We just had him at arm's length and uh, scored some good tries. And, you know, I think the scoreline perhaps flattered Lee a little bit in the end at 22-20. I thought we were, we were comfortable, you know, eight points in front going into the, the latter stages of the game. So, so it was a good win, a, a good win, you know, Teams have been there and got beat this season. You know, St. Helens didn't win there, and you know, Lee have won a few games on the road. So, for us to go there and win twice in two tough fixtures, I think uh, Paul Rowe would be very pleased with that. Yeah, are you surprised about Lee's performances so far this season? Obviously, like you say, they've beat uh, St. Helens, I think, beat Hull as well. They've got you know, some uh, top teams have turned over there. Yeah, they've won away at both full clubs. Yeah, they've won at Ulcar and Hull and beat Saints. So, and I think all the other games that they've played in, they've been very competitive. I know at Catalans they were they were only beaten by you know a couple of points, and same against uh, against Warrington. So, and the Wigan game is a bit of a blowout scoreline. But other than that, they've competed in all the games. And no, I'm not surprised because they've signed some good players. They've got a good squad. You know, you look down the team, you like say Josh Charlie in there, Zach Ardick, Redbin, a Papi, the uh, the hooker's an excellent player, Lachlan Lamb. 
they've got quality, you know, some some international players in that side. So and a lot of experience as well. You look Tom Briscoe on the on the wings, you know, played in Challenge Cup finals and scored tries in grand finals. So they've got an awful lot of experience in that team and, and some big game big game players and and no, they're gonna they're not gonna be easy to beat at all. So that that was a more pleasing thing for for me for Salford going there and toughing it out. You know, we're a bit low, like we said, on numbers and I think one or two players are carrying knock. You know, Joe Burgess smashed his ribs last week and, and he played at the weekend and according to one of my friends who spoke to me at the end of the game, his, his ribs were still sore. I mean, I won't repeat what he said, but he was still pretty <laughs> sore. So, so yeah, we, we've got bumps and bruises and that. But we did enough, I, I thought. I thought we played some good stuff. And as I mentioned before, Chris Atkin was excellent and Tyler Dupree, well... What a what a what a gem Tyler is. I mean, we've we've unearthed a player there and half. So and the fans have really took to him as well. So scored some good tries and, and it was an entertaining match. I mean, credit to Lee, they played some good stuff and you know probably a bit unlucky in the end. Yeah, they, obviously they talk about you know Tyler Dupree and his his uh, you know form so far uh, this season for Salford Devils of the England light last last season towards the end of the season. They really you know should be pushing for a, a full international uh, cap this season with the form he's in. Yeah, if he continues in the form, yeah, I think he's the form forward in the league at the moment, particularly you know English forward. Anyway, I, mean, I know that Paul Vaughan's playing well for Warrington, but Tyler Dupree has been excellent for Salford. I mean, he got man of the match last week against Huddersfield, and you know he's probably probably one of our best players again at the week. And I mean, I probably would have edged for Chris Atkin if he won the match, but I think Shane Wright was was another you know storming performance from Shane Wright. He was unstoppable at times, did a whole lot of work in, in the pack. Sam Stone, I think, had his best game so far this season. So there was an awful lot of good performances, but Tyler stands out. He scored a good try. You know, he's got that infectious smile as well. It's funny, we, we saw him on the way to the match, crossing over at the Greyhound at the roundabout. He was crossing over. I don't know where he was going. He looked like he was going in the petrol station, but he had his, uh, had his suit on and we were shouting out the window to him. And he's a real character. He had a big grin on his face then. So, so yeah, re- I'm really pleased for him. I'm really pleased that he's, he's settling in at Salford and... Uh, you know, he's, he's another character to that, that that side. And, you know, the team spirit, again, I thought was fantastic on Saturday. And uh, it's a big win. It was a big win, that, because if we had lost that game, Leah would have leapfrogged us in the table. So it's just kept that little cushion we've got between the sides below us. Yeah, because that's the important thing, really. It's about keeping that momentum. We need to keep winning. Um, and that's what top teams do when they're under pressure, Paul. They, they find a way to win. And, and that's the important thing, isn't it? Yeah, certainly is. Yeah, we've got a massive game coming up this this Thursday against Castleford, and you know they've had a, a tricky start to the season. They've only won two matches, and you know they're in, they're in sort of poor form. They've improved the last couple of weeks, though. They got a win against Leeds. We're lucky at Catalan, and they beat Wakefield. So they they're on a bit of an upward spiral. So, but that I think Salford need a performance at home. You know they played three home games and, and and lost two of them, and the game that we did win against Wakefield was a. Wasn't the best performance, you know. We, we won an extra time against Wakefield, so we've not been very convincing at home. So I think to 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 win in front of the home fans at the Salford Stadium would be be a big thing, and it'd carry that momentum. on. We've got two home games coming up now in the next two weeks against the uh, Catsford and Catalan, so there's a real opportunity there to to lay a marker down and uh, you know push on up that table because uh, we're not we're not we're, we're six in the table at the moment. We'll get a couple of wins and we could be in that top four. And don't forget, we played eight games already, so get these two out of the way, and that's ten games gone. And you what you're a, you're pushing towards halfway through the season, so um, you know it's, it's soon come round. And what do you think of Salford's season so far, Paul? Obviously, blighted with injuries, but still finding uh, you know form and and still winning games. Yeah, I think we could have won every game we played in. We, you know, the Huddersfield game, perhaps perhaps not there as at arm's length, but particularly at Wigan away, we, we could have won. Warrington away, we could have won. I think the whole guy game at home, we, we chucked away really. So. 
we we we've been there thereabouts in all the games. So we've won four and lost lost four, and the, the four that we lost, you know, we, we could have got something from. You know, we're steadier play, and like you said with the injuries as well. I think Oliver Partington and, and, and Alex Gerrard are big misses from our side. It was good to see Andy Akers come back at the weekend. You got Tim Lapai missing as well. Um, so yeah, we've we, we've been doing it tough at the moment. We've not got a massive squad. You know, Dan Sargent's left. Ryan Lannan's gone, so there's two people out of your team and they've not been replaced, so it's, it's got even tougher now. But, you know, the, the players that are out there are doing a tremendous job. Um, the, the forwards are doing big minutes, as I mentioned, Tyler Dupree before. He, he played another massive stint on uh, on Saturday again. So so things are looking good. Things are looking good for us. And it's going to be tough to, to, um, to keep going through a long season with that squad that we've got. But, you know, fingers crossed we don't get too many injuries. We keep that spine fit and, uh, and we gather momentum because... As we saw last season, you know, the back end of the year, we were winning games for fun because we built momentum and, and winning became a habit. So hopefully that can be a, a trait of 2023. Are you worried about the injury list? Obviously, players, we can play with so many, but if you start losing lots of bodies, you can't really uh, fill a team. And obviously, with the reserves, they are kind of a development squad, not quite ready for Super League, in my opinion, yet. So it's all hands to the pump with a uh, Paul Riley squad. Am I worried? Um, I don't really worry about stuff like that, Rob. I, I think about it. Um, when I do think about it, I, I do tend to think it could be our downfall this season. I hope it's not, but if, if it is to be our downfall, that, or, or we're not to make the, the top six, that that probably be why. But no, I'm not particularly worried about it. I think every team gets injuries, and you know it's just how you, how you manage them. And a lot of the time, it's luck. You know, with who gets injured and whether you strike players, your pivots get injured and things like that. You spine your team, you need to protect. And, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it. You know, it's part and parcel of the sport, isn't it? Like any sport, you can't sort of protect yourself from, from knocks and things like that. They just happen, don't they? So, no, I won't say I was worried about it. Um, I think we'll be OK. I think we've got enough in that, that squad. And, uh, you know, to, to, to keep going and, and get into that top six, you know, there's enough talent in that team there. And I think people have said it again at the weekend. I've, I've just watched a few of the games and listened to some of the uh, the commentators on the, the Sky Sports team. And they were saying the, the same thing. You know, they love to watch Salford with the best team to watch in the league. And I think that's a massive compliment from the rugby league press and the pundits. So uh, we must be doing something right. Yeah, what did you make of, obviously, the Easter period? Obviously, only playing uh, one game over the Easter period. Normally, it's Good Friday, Easter Monday. Um, I think it's great, obviously, for the players. Not playing double games saves the bodies, but obviously not great for the clubs that need that extra bit of money. Yeah, I've enjoyed what I've seen, Rob. I watched, um, I've not seen loads because I've done stuff with my family and that. So, I saw some of the games from Friday. I saw a bit of the Hull Derby and I saw a bit of the Wigan St. Helens game. Uh, I've watched a bit of Leeds and Huddersfield, which I thoroughly enjoyed on Easter Sunday, which is a strange game to play a, play a match. We don't know if everyone on Easter Sunday do it. So, obviously, saw the Salford game on Saturday. And, um, and yeah, I've, I've enjoyed what I've seen. I've read about it a lot. I've seen the highlights as well, followed the other scores. You know, Swinton got beat against against Widnes. So, uh, that was a disappointment for us in this area. But, but no, it, it's been a different Easter, hasn't it? We're just playing the one game. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm a traditionalist. I'd, I'd love to have had another game to go to on Easter Monday, but you know that's the way it is this season. And we just got to get on with it. So there's still plenty more rugby to look forward to. It's a short turnaround for us anyway. So we're playing Thursday, so it would have been difficult to play um, Easter Saturday, Easter Monday, and then on the Thursday as well. That would have been a tough ass. So uh, so yeah, we've not got to wait long to our next game anyway. Hmm. For the teams that you've seen so far, Paul, who do you think is going to be competing for the Championship Super League Grand Final spot, and who do you think could be going down to the Championship? Well, I think you've not got to look past Warrington at the moment. They're unbeaten. They're at the top of the table. They've played 8-1-8. They've just won in Catalan. 
Um, I think they impressed me in that second half at Warrington, but you know, I'm thinking, you know, we mustn't be that bad because we battered Warrington in that first half and, and we're unlucky really in the game. I think losing a player to a Simbi made a big turnaround in the game. So I think we'd probably give Warrington the biggest test so far this season. So, yeah, they've impressed me. Um, I think I thought Wigan were pretty good when we played against Wigan. They, they ground us down and won that game. So they've been pretty impressive. You know, Catalans have been doing well. At the other end of the table, I think, you know, Wakefield have been... Uh, have been poor, haven't they? They've I think it's four games where they've not scored a point. They've been nailed in four matches and lost eight on the trot. So they're they're in real trouble. They're four points adrift at the moment. I think Hull FC have been dire in some of the games I've seen. That whole derby at the weekend, they were absolutely awful. Losing at home forty points to nil in a derby match was terrible. We got sixty on them as well. So they've been a real disappointment, particularly with the money that they spent. So, you know, I think they'd be worried. I mean, if Wakefield weren't so bad. Hull could be in that. But, I mean, it only takes Wakefield to win a game. Wakefield play Lee this weekend and that's a tough game for Lee going to Wakefield and if Wakefield are to get a result, other teams are going to start, you know, starting to worry. So, uh, but at the moment, yeah, I think Warrington in the farm side at the moment. And that's the important thing, obviously. All teams can beat each other so they can just turn in an instant, can't it? Yeah, certainly. Like I said, I mean, Wakefield, I thought, gave us a massive game, didn't they? You know, going to extra time. So, you know, they, they, they can't be that bad. You know, and they played Catalans and, and and give them a good game. I know they seem to have dropped off last few weeks, and they're finding points hard to score. They only got four against uh, Cass, and they've been nil four times. So five matches there, they've scored four points. So they are really struggling. But you know, you know, you'd like to think they can turn the corner. And in that game against Lee this weekend at, at Bellevue is going to be a tough game for Lee. So they've got to be switched on. And there's no easy beats as they're in Super League, like you said. I think anybody on the day. It can beat anybody. I mean, I listened to a bit of the Wakefield game a few weeks ago when they went to St. Helens and they got beat, I think it was 36-0 or something like that. But that game was close at half-time. There wasn't much in it at all. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's it's wide open this this season. I don't think you can pick who's going to end up in that grand final. I think it's it's massive. I think anybody can get there. You know, Salford have got a great chance. If they can get, I think you get in that top six and, and it's, a, it's a real lottery then. Yeah. It's exciting times, uh, you know, for for everybody. Let's just touch on Swint Lions. They played at Widnes and were beating forty eight points to sixteen at home. Obviously, disappointing result for the Lions, but Swint Ringle, uh, but Widnes Ringle Farm. Yeah, they've they've made a good start to the season, Widnes, and um, you know, probably shocked a few people. Really, I don't probably a dark horse for this season. Everybody's looking at Featherstone Rollers and, and Toulouse and, and Halifax are up there as well. And um, and yeah, they've made a decent start. Witness, they've got some good young players in that side, and they've got a bit of experience as well. You know, John Keir doing a decent job there, uh, Witness, and, and turning them round. So that was always going to be a tough game for Swinton. And to be honest, that back Swinton and me accumulator, I thought they turned Witness over, but um, shows what shows what I know about betting. But <laughs> no, Swinton have found it tough last few weeks, haven't they? They got some good wins to start the start of the season, and that championship is a very very competitive league, isn't it? And uh, you know, there's some there's some big sides in that, but but no. I think it just goes to show how well I think Dewsbury had played because Dewsbury in the league below and they, they battered witness in the Challenge Cup the week before. So there's some real competitive teams. I think every game is competitive. Just like the Super League, the, the Championship is another one where you have to fight for points and, and Swinton have to do that. They have to fight every week to, 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 to survive in that Championship because it's such a cutthroat league. It is. It is, Paul. And, that, and that's the important thing, obviously, for Swinton. It's about winning your own games and, and, and picking up the ones away and hopefully being you know, top of the, the middle. That's what they're kind of aiming for to build on that for our next season. 
Yeah, well, there's certain sides in a championship that Swinton will be targeting. You know, the, the the sides that are in around the bottom there and in around Swinton. The, you know, there's, there's there's teams there that you've got to try and turn over. You know, the Cumbrian sides that are around them, and you've got Newcastle as well. You've got to make sure you get the points against those lads and and and, and get those victories. And then anything else you get, it's a bonus. So, so yeah, they're just going to keep switched on. And obviously, the defeat against Widnes was a bit of a setback, but there's still plenty of time to go. And, and Swinton have got enough in their tank, I think, to to survive this season. Yeah, they play Sheffield on Monday. Um, obviously, you know, going to be a tough test away at Sheffield. It will be Sheffield on the other side. I mean, I just mentioned witnesses of the dark horse. I mean, Sheffield, I think the third top so far this season, and they've made a real good start to the, the year. They've had some good wins. They've had some good wins away from home as well. And if you look at their squad, you know they've got um, you know some some real stars in there. You know, Ben Jones Bishop plays there, and uh, Chris Wellham. You know, two ex Salford players in that team, and there was a lot of quality there as well. So uh, you know, Sheffield got some experience in the team players who played at Super League, played at the high level. So that's going to be another tough test for Swindon. Yeah, and obviously we'll be following on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. You know, we we, we talk about you know the the season so far. What's been your highlight of uh, the season in the uh, Super League so far? In Super League, um, yeah, I'm not so sure really. Probably I've not seen. To be honest, I've not seen a lot. I only see the games on the telly occasionally because it's hard to get the telly in my house. Uh, so, <laughs> so it, my highlight's probably been Salford so far. Some of the. Uh, the victories we've had, I mean, uh, but the victory at Hull, I think, stands out, doesn't you know, going there and, and winning by 60 points, I think, was absolutely tremendous. Some of the rugby league, that Tim Laffey try, I think, um, yeah, that, that's that been my highlight so far. It was electric, that, some of that rugby, it was absolutely unplayable. So, uh, so yeah, I'd like to see some more of that before the end of the season. Yeah, and obviously at the league game, I learned disability <coughs> rugby league team, they played at half-time. It's great, obviously, the club have teams for everybody uh, to get involved in now. And it was on the pitch as well, on the main pitch. I think that's tremendous, you know. On the main pitch there at Lee, at the Lee Sports Village, which is a fantastic stadium, a fantastic facility. And uh, to play there in front of the, the supporters at halftime, that, that's great for those people involved in that. And uh, I'm sure they had a thrilling afternoon. And, and it was a good afternoon as well. There's plenty of entertainment on there. They had an Elvis impersonator and Robbie Williams. They were pretty good. A nice fireworks show as well. I mean, the fireworks weren't as good as the the other week because it was dark the other week so you can't really see him in the daylight but no Lee put on a tremendous show again good crowd there and uh, a really nice day and uh, yeah it was a lot nicer than the Easter fixture in 2008 when we went to Lee and it absolutely tonked it down all night so uh, so yeah it was an enjoyable day and I'm sure uh, the Learning Disabilities uh, team had a, had a good time and enjoyed themselves Who was your favourite Elvis or uh, Rob Williams? Um, I thought the Elvis guy was good he had like a white suit on and it was sort of the Elvis um, from when he made his comeback, you know, in the sort of late seventies, when his uh, his white suit and shades on. So uh, yeah, he's pretty good. The Robbie Williams guy was good as well, though. Uh, I enjoyed him. I believe they got top loader on in a couple of weeks when they play Leeds Rhinos at home. So they're pulling out all the stops and getting the entertainment on every week. Haven't they? they've already had uh, Carol Decker of Tapau and scouting for girls. So uh, so yeah, they watch this space. They've got some real headliners coming on at Leeds. Yeah, from a top loader to top offloader. Now we're going to be talking boxing with James and Paul. We most certainly are, Rob. Uh, there's been some negative headlines in the boxing world this week, but I want to kick off with the positives. And this weekend, we've got the absolute definition of a fun heavyweight fight. The juggernaut George Joyce versus Big Bang Zilly Zhang, a heavyweight from Britain, a heavyweight from China, two styles that are absolutely destined to blend for a fantastic fight. Paul, I assume you're looking forward to this one. 
Yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, it should be, like you said, you know, two um, two styles that, that that should should make for a really good fight. And uh, yeah, we, we've not had you know loads of heavyweight action to to watch recently. I know we had the um, the fight with Anthony Joshua, which really wasn't that impressive. I mean, the fell asleep watching that. So uh, so this one, you know, got all the hallmarks of a, of a real dust up. It most certainly does. Joe's a fighter renowned for his chin. Zilly Zhang will likely test that. And how do you see this one going? Because in recent times, the pattern in Joyce fights has been that he loses the first few rounds defending punches with his face and then ultimately comes on and beats his opponent. But if you were to look at this one from an analytical point of view, how do you see it going? Um, yeah, Zhang, I think he, he's going to feel that, that power of, um, of Joyce, isn't he? You know when he does plant his feet and land, um, there's no doubt about that. And it's whether whether he can take it. I think we all know Joyce has got a good chin and he can take it. It's whether his opponent can take it. So that's going to be the big test. And and I don't think he'll be able to handle Joyce's power. To be honest with you, I mean Joyce is such a powerful man. He's got such a good jab as well. And when he writes lands that right hand, you know he's he's got absolutely juggernaut power, hasn't he? So. It's whether your opponent can take that, whether he can stand that, and whether he can avoid that. Um, and I'm not so sure he can. So I think it'll be um, it'll be the same old story. I think, but you know, he's got to go in there and respect his opponent. But it's it's a test. But I think it's one that uh, that will pass. And if he does pass, I mean, there's several options out there for him. Tyson Fury's obviously not fighting Alexander Usyk for now. We believe that he is in camp for, for some sort of fight. We're not entirely sure who that will be, but they're both with Frank Warren, and it'd be a big opportunity for Joyce to stake his claim to fight for that WBC title. Yeah, definitely it would. I mean, he impresses every time he fights, does Joyce, doesn't he? So I've I've got no doubts he'll impress in this one as well. I think he's he's that sort of fighter. I don't think he takes a backward step. Does he? Not somebody's going to hide for twelve rounds. He's going to go out there and, and do the business. So, and I think he, you know, once he does get through this one. Um, obviously, I don't want to uh, disrespect his opponent. He's got to do the business. But you know, if he does get through, and, and when he does get through, I think he deserves a big shot. Then, to be honest with you, I don't know who it's going to be, but whoever he gets, I think he'll he'll do himself proud, and, and he deserves it. A shot at a title, I think. Now, I think there's an awful lot of good British fights. People maybe saying Anthony Joshua. know he's looking out for something. I know he said last week he wants to fight again in three months' time. You know, the summer. So. Is there something there? If I was him, I, I wouldn't go anywhere near uh, Joe Joyce. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But he's destined for big fights now. He's, he's got to be because he's, he's a hot, he's a hot, no, he's not a hot prospect. He's he's more than a prospect. He's there. He, he's he's on, on the cusp now of something. So, uh, so, yeah, I hope he gets something big sorted for the summer. I think we all do. But somebody who, by the sounds of it, won't be out in the summer is Anthony Joshua. I think we're all expecting him after the Jermaine Franklin performance to get out again possibly against Tyson Fury, but more realistically against Dillian White. However, he's announced via social media that he's not going to be back until December, which is a bit of a shock. I mean, do we have any idea why this is, or are we in the dark for the time being? Well, I was in the dark because I didn't know that. I'd not read that, Jim, so it just shows you I'm a bit out of touch there. I, I did see an interview with him last week, and he said he wanted to be out the next three months, so I'm a bit behind the times there, so my apologies. But, uh, but no, I'm a bit shocked by that because I thought he wanted to stay active. Um, unless the only thing I can think of there is if he's been promised something in December, um, you know, a big fight, and that's that's where he, he's going. But 
I don't know I'd expect somebody like Tyson Fury to fight again before December, but I don't know. We'll have to see where that goes. But, you know, just speaking about Anthony Joshua, I wasn't really impressed with him, you know, against Franklin. I thought Franklin was much a smaller man and, and he sort of spent 12 rounds, yeah, dominating the rounds, really, but frightened to death of, of engaging at times and, and sort of not wanting to get hit, if you like. And, um, you know, if you if you go in a fight against somebody like Joyce or, or, or Fury, you can't do that for 12 rounds. You're going to have to engage and, and get involved. So, uh, so yeah, I'm not so sure whether... It, I mean, Dillian White called him out last week, said he's not, he doesn't want it anymore. And I don't know whether that's the case or not, but there's certainly uh, certainly something not right with, with, with Anthony Joshua at the moment. No, it, it does seem that way. And I think for years we argued that Joshua needs to be technically refined. He was always quite robotic. He was never the greatest technical fighter. However, it seems doing that and making him more of a boxer, it, it's taken away his best attributes. Yeah, he's taken away the, the sort of demolition style that he had. You know, he'd come out and, and absolutely pummel his opponent, wouldn't he? And, and they wouldn't get a chance to, to, to breathe. And that's the way he fought. You know, he demolish people demolition man so you know to go away from that and try and box I, I don't think he can I don't think he can that's his style and I think if he was to come up against somebody like Usyk again he'd get out of box I think somebody like Tyson Fury I mean for me against Franklin Franklin looked you know, he didn't look maybe a bit bigger than a middleweight but he wasn't he was nowhere near as big as Joshua and I'm thinking if he gets in with someone like Tyson Fury this, the size difference between Fury and Franklin it's absolutely huge how is he going to come you know, get on with somebody like that. How's he going to contain somebody like that? So you can't run away from someone like Tyson Fury to be on you all the time. So he'd have to change that. He'd have to go in there and, and try and take him out. I think you know early doors. I don't think they'd go the, the rounds with him. So it'll be interesting to see who he gets in December and who, who he goes for. But I think he's going to have to fight somebody of, of you know somebody at the top five because if he doesn't, it's it's going to be a no show really. Who's going to buy into that? It's going to be interesting to see. And while the world wanted Fury versus Usyk, they've not got it for the time being. It's looking like the Ukrainian is going to be fighting Daniel Dubois. A bit of a turn up for the Bucks. He is the WBA mandatory. Uh, after the Kevin Lorena fight, it's evidence that the the Brit still has quite a bit of time to go before he becomes a finished product. And is this a fight that's you know, is going to help Dubois develop? Is it one that he's got a chance of winning? Or is Usyk just far too good at this stage? Uh, well, judging his past performances, you'd say Usyk is far too good, but you're only as good as your last fight, aren't you? So we'd, we'd have to watch this space and see what happens. If he's getting in there and he's a mandatory, you know, we've got to get behind him and, and, and see how he goes. But, I mean, if this fight was to happen tomorrow, I, I think I know my money would be on you. Know, Usyk's a special fighter and he's a very tough fighter. And look at the way he schooled Anthony Joshua. So, and Anthony Joshua's no mug, let's have it right. And I mean, I know we've just sort of slagged him off for a couple of minutes, but he's a good fighter, isn't he? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny one, that really. It's not the one we expected, is it? We expected the, the Usyk and uh, Fury fight, but as usual, you don't always get what you want in boxing, do you? It's, uh, it's difficult for the fans. We, we always seem to get let down, don't we, by promoters and politics and things that get in the way. Yeah, we do always let, get let down. And the fight we all wanted was Josh Taylor versus Jack Cattrall. Instead, we've got Josh Taylor versus Tiafimo Lopez. Obviously, two world-level fighters, but I don't know. For me, it, it feels a little bit underwhelming. It was a shock that when I saw that one. Um, 
like you said, it's a big fight for, for Taylor and um, it's a big opponent as well. It's, you know, probably one of the best opponents he, he's faced, but that's no disrespect to, to Jack Cattrall. I mean, you've got to feel for him a bit, really, haven't you? I mean, I know at the end of the day, when all said and done, Taylor won that fight, didn't he? So we, we can we can argue till the cows come home about Cattrall, but, you know, the decision was given to Taylor and you've got to respect that decision, I suppose. So um, you got to respect him going forward with who, who he fights. So, I, I thought he would have had the rematch with Cattrall. I'm disappointed with that. Um, but no, this is an opportunity now for him. It's, uh, it's in, Is it Madison Square Garden this one's taking place in? So it's it's over in the States, isn't it? So it's a, it's a massive, massive fight night. So, um, But yeah, I didn't see this one coming. No, neither did I. And something else I didn't see coming was Cattrall actually signing for Eddie Hearn. Is this the right move? Because with him being on zone, I mean, I suppose it opens up fights against Regis Pagray and people like that. But... It does sort of kill the catch, uh, the Taylor fight. Yeah, well, you don't really know what's going on the, behind the scenes, really. You might have been told that that's not going to happen, the, the Taylor fight. And if it's not going to happen, I mean, as much as you want to fight him and you want to avenge that that, that sort of bitterness of, of that, that loss where you thought you won, sometimes perhaps you've got to shut the door on it and move on because there's no point in, in sort of strangling your career worrying about something that you can't sort of control. So um, it might be a case of, I've got to put that on the back burner, maybe fight him you know, down the line in a few years' time. But for the moment now, Jack Cattrall can't keep harping on about that. You know, he knows in his own mind how we went on that night. And I think he's just got to move. He gained a lot of fans and friends that night, I think. And he needs to move on from that. And, um, you know, if that comes along again, all well and good. But, you know, he's got his own career to progress there. And, and there's some big names there under Eddie Hearn. There's no doubt about that. Eddie Hearn's a good promoter and you'll get good fights under him. So uh, it could be a good move for him. It could be. We have to hope it is for, for him. But something that isn't a good move, we've got three fights and individually all very good. We've got Lawrence Sicoli taking on Chris Billum-Smith. We've got Lee Wood in that massive rematch with Mauricio Lara. We've got Michael Conlon taking on Lopez for the IBF Championship. However, and we get annoyed at this all the time, Paul, when two shows clash, it's incredibly irritating. This time, three big shows are clashing. All Brits in world title fights. I mean, it's not like they can perhaps move the main events so they don't collide. With three fights, something's going to clash, and it's just not what we want. No, I was surprised about that when I saw that the other day because you, you knew when uh, the Chris Billum Smith fight was announced, he didn't have an opponent at first. He'd booked the stadium, and that was going to happen. But you knew damn well it was going to be Lawrence Cole, it was going to be his opponent, or Richard Riakpo, one of the two. Um, so. So yeah, that's a massive fight, and then to to have these fights, you know, have the the, the wood fight on the same night. I mean, yeah, it does. It is annoying, isn't it? I mean, surely to God they could have put them a week apart, or or a day off one on the Friday night, or and one on the Saturday night. I'm not too sure, but you know, to have them clashing, it is frustrating, isn't it, for for boxing purists and people who want to go and people who want to watch the fights. It just seems strange the way they they do it like that. Yeah, it most certainly does. And you mentioned there that it was always destined to be Lawrence Acoli, and perhaps that's the case. It's, a, it's an interesting fight here from the dynamics of the fact that Shane McGuigan used to coach Lawrence Acoli, and now he's with Chris Bill and Smith. So there's somebody that can come up with a game plan to beat Acoli. You'd imagine it would be McGuigan. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been very, very impressed with McGuigan recently. I think he's a real good, astute trainer. He, he seems to get the best out of his fighters. His fighters seem to have a very good bond with him as well. 
um, which is nice to see. I mean, you used to get that, didn't you, with with, with Carl Froch and uh, Rob McCracken. They always had that good bond, and I think McWiggins the same with his fighters, you know, as as Joe Gallagher is with his. So it's good to see that, and uh, and yeah, I like Chris Bill and Smith. I think he's an excellent fighter. You know, he's he's, he's a no nonsense character as well. Really nice fella outside the ring, and. You know, he's got all the attributes, you know, for his style. He's a tall man as well, very strong, very hard puncher. So this is going to be a good fight, this. You know, I fancy Bill and Smith, but, you know, you can't write off a Coley. I, I wasn't very impressed with him in his last outing, but, you know, he's um, he, he's a proven talent. So this is going to be a great fight. It's a good weight as well, the cruiserweight division. You know, they can really bang these two. So I think you'll see some fireworks in that one. Yeah, it looks likely, doesn't it? Especially... At the uh, Vitality Stadium for Chris Bill and Smith, it'll be a fantastic outing for him. However, originally the plans were to face Arsene Goulamarin, who is the WBA champion. He He's from France. And the fight didn't come together because they refused to give the French champion a rematch clause. What do we make of this, Paul? Have Boxer potentially dropped the ball there? Because Goulamarin, on paper, probably easier to beat than Lawrence Ocoli. Yeah, and is he the title holder as well? He is. He's the WBA champion. Yeah, I thought he was. So yeah, so he, he possibly, unless they're thinking of selling more tickets because he's fighting the British fighter. I'm not too sure, but you would have thought Chris Pullum Smith would sell out the stadium alone. You know, he's he's a very likable fighter. He's got a good fan base. You know, he's in his home. Is it a city that or a town, Bournemouth? I think it's a city in it. Um, so he's in his home sort of place there. So that'd have been a great night there. Uh, you know. Getting towards the summer as well, there a nice warm night in Bournemouth would have would have I think you'd have sold that whoever he'd have fought. So you would have thought really they'd have matched him against the the title holder and and gone for a belt there. So you know after this you know the Coley fight is a dangerous one really, isn't it? So you lose that, then you you start dropping down the pecking order again, don't you? So so it's a, it's a risky fight this one for him. And looking at the fight that's going on in Manchester on the same night, we've got Lee Wood versus Mauricio Lara, and there's two ways of looking at this, I suppose. I mean Wood was way up in the first fight. It looked like he was cruising towards a decision. So you can make him a massive favourite from that point of view. Or you can look at Lara, so young in his career, and he's only going to get better. Yeah, it's a terrific fight. It really is a terrific fight. I mean, the first fight was 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 fantastic. Um, and it's it's another one. This one's a very, very tough one to call. As you said there, Wood was is well ahead on the cards, and if he can just iron a few things out in this fight, I think he can get the. Uh, I think he can get the result. I think he can. I really do. So it's going to be another great night in Manchester. I'm not so sure who else is on the on the undercard, but I'm pretty sure it'll be another uh, another buzzing night that one. And now looking at the bad news that has occurred this week, it's been a pretty dark time for boxing fans. One of the greatest fights in the history of our shores, uh, Olympic silver medalist at the age of just seventeen, a unified world champion in his professional career. Amir Khan has tested positive for a performance-enhancing substance, Austri. He denies all knowledge of taking it, but it's not good, is it? No, I mean, you can deny all knowledge of taking anything, can't you? But it's in your system, <laughs> and it's got there somehow, hasn't it? So, you know, whether you deny it, you can't sort of deny the system, can you? you know, if you test positive for something, it's there, isn't it? So, so yeah, very, very disappointing. And, uh, you know, it just seems to happen an awful lot now, doesn't it? You know, you, you trust fighters and, you know, a lot of people idolise these boxers and, you know, then they come up with something like this. I mean, the Conor Ben one's still ongoing, isn't it? I mean, nobody knows what's going on with that as well. So, yeah, it's disappointing news and it just puts the sport in a bad light. It most certainly does. And calm, as I mentioned before, somebody who's achieved so much. But 
Is his entire legacy tarnished now? Um, I suppose it depends who you speak to. I mean, for for me, I don't know. It's it's a difficult thing to say, that isn't it? I mean, what has he been taking stuff all his career? Is it just a once? Was it a mistake? There's probably lots and lots of questions, isn't there? But there's no doubt something like that will always hang over you as a fighter. And you'll always have people who will say those titles and things that you won, did you win them fairly? Those question marks will always be there. They'll always hang over you. So, you know, it's um, he's definitely tarnished a man who's, you know, done so much for boxing and, um, you know, has been so popular. And Rob, from a, you know, a casual boxing fan standpoint, there are certain fighters in the world of boxing who cross over to the mainstream, the Joshua's, the Furies, and Amir Khan is undeniably one of them. To hear that he's failed a drugs test, from your point of view, it must be disappointing. Yeah, it was disappointing for me, James, because obviously when I, when I saw it, and he's doing like reality TV shows now as well, and, you know, all that, you know, boxing history behind him, you know, of, of uh, Olympic titles and, and, you know, fighting for world titles and how how long has that been going on? Uh, you know, how much was, you know, that um, part of the real Amir Khan and, and what was, you know, with the with the with the drugs inside. We'll never know, I suppose, but it is a disappointing thing. I think obviously the British public will will see that and it might sour his reputation uh, sort of sort of going forward. But like he said, he's been he's retired now, so this two year ban it means nothing to him. But I suppose that does shut the door on his career. Um, because obviously, if he did have second thoughts, then uh, you know this uh, this uh, unfortunate news is really uh, really upset him. Really, yeah, it's deeply disappointing. And the last story we're going to touch on today, Paul, another distressing piece of news: Chantel Cameron versus Katie Taylor, a massive fight going down in Dublin. It's looking like it's sold out. On the undercard, we had Ellie Scottney. She was all prepared to fight for a world title. However, Chantel has refused to let her on the card due to the fact that she trains with Shane McGuigan, who is Chantel's former trainer. There's been a big fallout, and Scotty's been removed from the card. Uh, I suppose you can look at this from two ways. I imagine for Chantel, she claims it would have been incredibly frustrating to have had Shane McGuigan, somebody she detests around her all week. But at the same time, she's taken Scotty's dream away from her. Yeah, I think sometimes you've got to be the bigger person, haven't you? You can say you detest someone all you want, but you're professional, aren't you? You're a professional sports person, you just got to get on with things. I mean, there's probably times where managers of football teams or players of football teams, there's been people or rugby league or whatever, where you've been somewhere and there's been somebody you fell out with, somebody who's kicked you out of the club or a manager that's sold you or whatever, but you, you just move on, don't you? So you can't sort of, I don't think you can hold grudges in sport. I don't think it works. So, uh, so yeah, it's disappointing. It's, it's a strange storyline, that, but a disappointing one as well. It most certainly is. And now moving on to the world of football. And it's been a big one this week, hasn't it, Rob? And we'll kick off with Manchester United picking up a 1-0 win over Brentford, a 2-0 win over Everton. And how positive are you feeling at the moment? Yeah, two big wins um, for, for Manchester United, James. Obviously, chasing that sort of Champions League spot and wanting to finish as high as possible, you needed to make sure them them two games did end up in wins for Manchester United. Two quite strong performances, both you know against teams we should be beating. So, yeah, I think... Uh, the fans will be quite happy with with that performance. Obviously, there's more games to come, bigger games to come, as we'll as we'll talk about later on. But yeah, two wins from two. What do you think? 
I think it's fantastic. And a point I want to make is that McTominay been getting a lot of stick recently, whether he's up to the task, but scoring a goal, that'll give him a lot of confidence. And how do you analyse him at the moment? Yeah, I suppose with, with Casemiro, he is next level uh, defensive midfielder. So McTominay, you, you're comparing what Casemiro can do to, with McTominay. He's not at the Casemiro level, but he is, obviously, like you say, he's, he's scoring goals. He scored a couple for Scotland didn't he, a few weeks ago. So he is in good form, and I'm sure that will help him going forward. How you know he fits in that team if and when Casemiro comes back into play is a big question for me. But all top teams need strong squads and if uh, players go get out injured or suspended we need the good players to come in and replace them so I'm sure if he isn't uh, selected in that starting 11 he'll, he'll be ready to come in and put a performance in he most certainly will and looking ahead to this week two big games firstly Sevilla in the quarterfinals of the Europa League and, and this is a competition that we've not won in a long time, and I imagine that Eric Ten Hag will have his eye on this one. Yeah, it will. It will, James. And we need, um, you know, European football at Old Trafford to keep us at the top table. Even obviously, we are in the Champions League. That's fine, but at the moment, but we are looking to get into the Champions League. But playing teams like Seville really will help us in that development. We know we talked about winning trophies and and finishing as high as possible, but also winning in Europe and, and they played well this season and it's going to be a test uh, Seville are a really good side so it will be interesting to see what Hentag's men do on the, on Thursday night um, at Old Trafford because you know we, we don't really want to, to go out too too soon too fast because Seville will punish us if we aren't uh, sort of open and, and focused on the, get the, the, the challenges ahead but you're kind of hoping that we've got the players there. I know Marcus Ratcher has limped off uh, against Everton, so that's a, a big question mark because he has been, you know, fantastic for, for Manchester United over the last uh, few months. So him being fit uh, is really important, but we're kind of hoping, obviously, that we've got enough in the tank to get through. Yeah, we most certainly are. And looking ahead to that Nottingham Forest game, they are 18th. So you'd like to think that we'll do a job on them. However, they're currently level pegging on points with Everton, with only goal difference set, uh, setting them apart. So, not only is it a big game from their point of view to play Manchester United, but even a draw could put them above the relegation zone. Yeah, and Nottingham Forest are at home are a really tough team. I know they invested heavily in the squad, brought you know a lot of players in um, when they got promoted to the Premier League, and it does take time to adapt. And, and we and we know that, um, and they're hoping towards the back end of the season they'll find a bit of form uh, and and get a result. Hopefully not against Manchester United this week, but it is a test because obviously fighting for the lives aren't they not in Forest? Like you said, Everton are, are there and thereabouts as well. So really, in that relegation dogfight, it's a it's a shootout in it, and every team that you come up against against uh, will fight for their lives to stay in the Premier League so it's going to be a tough test obviously the on the back of playing Seville on the Thursday night there's not much rest time between the two games so that might be a factor with the players obviously up to Hentag to be able to rotate that uh, squad and make sure that people are fit but you're kind of hoping that He'll, he'll know what to do because obviously he's a top coach. He's been there before with Ajax. He's, he's played at the very, you know, he's coached at the very top level. Players know if they want to compete at the highest level in football, it's two games a week, whether that's Wednesday, Saturday, Thursday, Sunday. It's the same every, every, every week and they've got to condition themselves to be able to do that. 
Yeah, they most certainly have. And a team who perhaps aren't conditioned to win the Premier League are Arsenal. With a 2-2 draw against Liverpool, the gap between Manchester City and them, should City win, will only be three points. And then they've got to play each other and that could even it all up. So Arsenal, again, they've just dropped out of the Europa League to Sporting Lisbon. Are things beginning to, to crumble down on them? Yeah, pressure is building on the Gunners. Uh, Arteta had a great run of form, you know, with the players there at his disposal. Disposal the first time they've been put in this pressure cooker of of leading the the Premier League. Man City are a team that have been there and done it. They've they managed to claw teams back after being in the lead before, so it's second age to them. But I think we're writing them off a bit too, uh, you know, too soon. They've still got to play Man City. The the run of fixtures are, are you know, okay. They're not. There's not too many games where you think, oh, they are in trouble. I, know, I think I think they play Newcastle at one point, which is which is an interesting game. So it will be it'll be interesting to see what happens with Arsenal, um, but. That's what the Premier League is. It's, it's tooth and nail. It's every minute matters. And uh, we're all excited about what's, uh, what is to come. We are. And I'm extremely excited this week for Manchester City versus Bayern Munich. A big Champions League fixture. And who do you have your money on? Yeah, obviously Champions League is the one that Pep Guardiola has uh, escaped him at Manchester City. Obviously, he's had success at other, other countries, other clubs around the world. But the owners of Man City brought him in to take Man City to that next level. And to take Man City to that next level, you've got to go and win a Champions League. They have been very close, haven't they, in the last few years, and that experience will help. But Bayern Munich are a very good team, aren't they? One of the top teams in Germany. Going to be a big test, obviously, with the Arsenal situation as well. It's Is it all or nothing for Manchester City? Because, obviously, with the, uh, with the Arsenal battle raging, will they have enough in the tank to... You know, compete at the various highest level in Europe. And I think that's always the the question mark when it comes to Manchester City and Pep Guardiola is can he rotate that squad but still keep the quality at a high level? Because if you're swapping people in and out, you might lose that bit of strike, that bit of sort of mental toughness. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be exciting. We want these top games, don't we, uh, to come around at this end of the season and uh, that's going to be surely one on, on is it Wednesday night, James? It most certainly is, Rob. And interestingly enough, Sergio Aguero in his column has claimed that Erling Haaland is not the secret ingredient that Pep Guardiola wants in order to win the Champions League. And I wanted to know what you made of that. Yeah, strange one. Like we know, we, we talk about Erling Haaland, don't we? He scored something like 44 sort of goals um, so far. And it's really kind of interesting to see, you know, the way Man City have to adapt their style to fit him into to that team. Um, they are... Last season, Man City was was very lucid. They had a sort of a, a forward three who could play everywhere. But with sort of a Haaland, he's very much a centre forward. So that means he is sort of the focal point and he wants the ball quick. But with Man City, it's all about possession. It's all about control and they don't really play to his strengths, even though he has scored a lot of goals this season, James. I don't think they play to his, you know, potential. He's just he has this ability to be in the right place at the right time, in and around the box, which is where Man City want him. But Haaland, for me, if you hit him early, 
then it is you know he, he'll he'll really terrorize defender because he's a big unit he's also quick as well um but is he the finished product is is he going to take city to that you know to the champions league glory it's going to be an interesting question because obviously champions league it's a, you're playing against the very best defenders and you've got the best striker in the world and the pressure is on him when the ball lands at his feet with, you know, with only the goal to beat in the dying seconds of a European Cup tie um, and you need a goal to get through, you're going to have to put you to hope and pray that he's got it in him. 44 goals in one season says he has. But that one moment in that Champions League uh, contest, uh, you know, especially at the highest level, it, 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 that one moment can be the difference between failure and success in a season. So it will be to see what 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 he what he sort of brings to the party when it comes to uh, the big game on Wednesday night. Yeah, he's definitely a big game player. And I'll tell you else is a big game player, Rob, and that is Ben Foster. Yes, he's back out of retirement. He's playing for Ryan Reynolds' side and his first victory was a 3-0 win. He keeps a clean sheet. He's playing non-league football now, so a pretty ridiculous setup for the man who used to be the national goalkeeper for England. He claimed the week before his debut fixture for the club, he was the, and I quote, most hungover man in the world, but he's back <laughs> between the sticks and he's still got a bit left to give. Yeah, and obviously, you know, with Wrexham and the Ryan Reynolds situation, um, you know, it's it's a great thing in it. Obviously, you know, it's real uh, sort of fairy story that they bought into this club and you know Wrexham the city, and you're just kind of hoping it it kind of ends in in a fairy tale promotion. I know it's going to be really tight. Um, the is it joint first uh, in their division? Only one team goes up as well, which is which causes all kinds of heartburn and 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 stress for every supporter because you you want your team to to be the one that goes up. But anything can happen in football. I think is it Notts County they play? I think is it on on Monday? Uh, that's the that's going to be the 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 game that whoever wins that game goes up, and it's a it's going to be a real tough test. Well, will it be a, a fairy tale finish for Ryan Reynolds? We'll have to, to wait and see. I'm for Ben Foster, indeed, but uh, we'll have to wait and see how that plans out. Now, in quite negative uh, news for football, Romelu Lukaku, racially abused over the last few days, and then sent off for performing a celebration in front of the away fans. Quite sad news. Obviously, nobody wants to see Lukaku go through something like this. Yeah, it's it's always you know the 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 dark side of of football in general. In modern day football, there shouldn't be any of that. And obviously, these sort of uh, sort of millionaire footballers, it's 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 uh, it's really bad that that they are kind of you know abused like that. Especially Romelu Lukaku is is you know he is a top top player and he's on on form, but. Fans obviously know how to get in his head, and it and it becomes a real real issue. And you know, hopefully, you know the the clubs and the uh, you know uh, support the supporters and the the FA are all involved in you know hunting the people down who are who are causing these issues, and uh, they'll be punished, and we can we can move on, James, because we don't want to go back to the the dark days uh, of the same to seventies and the eighties where you know fans run loose on the terrace and and cause chaos you know we've gone past that stage now yeah we most certainly have rob it's definitely something that we want eradicated out of the game as soon as possible and now looking at chelsea i think fans at this stage just want this nightmare of a season to come to an end they have sat graham potter 
They've brought in Frank Lampard. They've lost the first game with him in charge, 1-0 to Wolves, after Nunez hit a pretty incredible strike. But how well do you see Lampard doing? Because thus far, his managerial career has not been anywhere near his sparkling as his playing career. Yeah, they always say, James, never go back. Frank Lampard, you know, is Chelsea through and through. Um, How much of of this you know process does Frank Lampard think I can turn this club around and how much of the club thinking if he turns in this round we'll hire him again is he only going to be there until the summer when they can find a, another coach to come in and how do the players react to that because obviously they'll be looking at Frank Lampard and thinking well you won't be here next season why should I listen to you so it's all different kind of uh, you know things you have to think about you've got a lot of players on long contracts as well at Chelsea which is an issue as well you know, the new owners come in and spent a fortune on players, so he's got to try and mould all them together. But that's that's the thing, I suppose. If he does manage to to string a few performances together for, for Chelsea uh, and get him in the going the right direction, you know, he might be the man uh, going forward. But I think you know, with the Graham Potter thing, you know, they talked about him being the long term. Uh, manager and it was a project and he last seven months and then they sack him you know it, I think with football it's it's never never long it's never it's only long term if you're winning every week and if you're not winning every week then it suddenly becomes a short term issue and uh, I do feel a bit sorry for Graham Potter Frank Lampard's come in he knows the fans will love him so he'll we'll get a few weeks more to, to, to bed in uh, but I just don't see how you know it, it makes it any different to when he left the last time no, I don't think the fans have too much confidence in him. I know statistically the most likely finish he's that he can get is tenth, and for Chelsea that that's not good at all. But regardless, let's have a quick look at Salford. Hmm? They lost two 0 to Leighton Orient. Not the end of the world considering Leighton Orient at top of the league, but they've got two games coming up against Wimbledon. 18th place, Colchester, 21st place. A big opportunity to pick up two wins and only two points away from the playoffs. So they're in with a hunter. Yeah, that that's the thing, I suppose, about Salford City. You know, they've got, you know, owners who are willing to put their hands in the pocket and invest. And in this situation where you're borderline playoffs, you have to string results together. If you're not able to, to string results together, you won't make it into that playoff spot. And how how long are the likes of Gary Neville going to talk about Salford being a force in the football league and, and going through the divisions if you hit the wall in the in League Two? It's going to be fascinating to see. Like I said, 2-0 defeat against Leighton Orient, uh, but they've got a couple of games to fix that. And we, we're kind of hoping that obviously Mansfield are above them by a point, so you're hoping that they'll drop a point and we can we can you know gain one. Um, but it's going to be fascinating. Obviously, with the with football but at the end of the season, anything can happen. Teams are going up, teams are going down. Every every result, every game matters. So uh, if Salford can get a win uh, in the in the next uh, couple of games uh, and and f- you know fire fight the way up uh, into the playoffs, then anything can happen. Anything can, and we hope it does solve it. They're still in with the hunt, and we hope that they pull it off. And now to conclude, I suppose I've got a couple of interesting stories for you from the world of football, Rob. Okay, go on, James. So, you may not know this, but many moons ago, I mean, Roy Keane, a man who I think every player who's ever played alongside him, and every pundit who's ever worked in the same studio as him, has fallen out with the man at one point. He is incredibly stern in his views, and not somebody you want to get on the wrong side of on the pitch or in the studio. However, 
Gary Pallister, on an occasion, on a night in Marbella during a pre-season tour, decided to to stick it to Khan, and the two fell out. And over a year-long period, they refused to speak to each other. In the end, they made up. But that's pretty interesting dynamics for two players in the same team to, to come up against. Yeah, and I always think, obviously, you know, with Manchester United being one of the top sides, that chemistry must have been a real problem. You know, if, if both players, I think like Teddy Sheringham and Andy Cole had, had a similar thing where they, where they fell out. I think that was over England duty that I think don't think one applauded while the one off substituting or something like that. And that lasted for years as well. So, you know, with a minute to go, James, it's, it's, it's fascinating how these uh, top teams have chemistry that, that isn't quite great all the time. Yeah, it is very interesting, Rob. And because the clock is ticking, I'm going to rattle this story off incredibly quickly. So I've got a list here, according to French publication L'Equip, of the top five best paid players in the Premier League. So I'm going to kick it off. In first place, believe it or not, is Kevin De Bruyne, bringing mm-hmm. home 425 grand a week. In joint second, we have got Haaland and De Gea, both on 402 grand a week. Then in fourth, we've got Salah on 373 grand. And in fifth, surprisingly, Jaden Sancho. So to conclude, Rob, what do you think of that list? Well, obviously a lot of mega money into it and, and you know some good players as well in the, in there as well. And uh, we'll be talking all about them on the sports zone on Salford City Radio every Tuesday and Thursday. Big thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. <laughs>